And the award for greatest podcast of 2017 so far goes to the Entertainment Buffet Podcast. Oh, guys, thank you so much. Uh, I would like to thank my wife for supporting me. I'd like to thank all my... Oh, am I, am I getting the music already? I guess uh, I thank all my guests and... Uh, yeah. All right, guys, we are here to talk about award season. Golden Globes, Oscars, DGA, PGA, WGA, all the GAs and whatnot. As I sit down with uh, my co-host Josh Sibley to talk about the award season. Cue the music. Welcome, everyone, to the Entertainment Buffet Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Prosek, and as I said, I'm sitting down with one of my co-hosts, Josh Sibley, everyone. Hello. I'd like to thank myself for that great music, and thank you for having me again. Yeah, yeah that uh, that playoff music was uh, almost spot on. I believe that's spot what they on. do at the Oscars. They just have someone go into a microphone. That is, that is what they do, actually. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think they have Mike Winslow back there um, from Police Academy. <laughs> yeah, they do. He's just on call for every award show to do the playoff music. But uh, anyway, thanks for coming on again, Josh. And as I said, listeners, we are talking about award season. And it, it is quite fitting because we are coming up on our one-year anniversary for the Entertainment Buffet podcast. We're... And the very first episode, me and Kelly talked about the Oscars, Oscar snubs, and the Oscar controversy last year. If everyone remembers the Oscars so white big debate, that was a hot topic in Hollywood and such. But um, today we're going to talk about um, not just the Oscars, but uh, lots of award shows in the, the movie filmmaking industry, and kind of me and Josh's opinions on that and whatnot. So before because we our get... opinions matter. Oh, yeah. They are vital. <laughs> they are huge. Hollywood, if you're listening, we're here to tell you how to fix it. Before we get started on that uh, debate on the awards, uh, please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. And uh, if you leave a review, we'll be sure to read it out on the podcast and give you a shout out. Um, we also have... Uh, other ways you can find us, if you are an Apple hater, you can find us on Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, Blueberry, all those type of uh, methods of listening. On this same feed, we also have the Film Tweakers podcast, which Josh has been a guest on. Um, he, he helped me film tweak Suicide Squad, and we're planning in the next uh, few weeks, month or so, to film tweak all the Star Wars prequels, uh, which will be interesting indeed. We also have some friend uh, podcasts to check out, uh, Movie Trailer Trash, hosted by Charlie and Bethany Duber, as well as the, the Brothers Marvel, hosted by Charlie and his brother Vinny Duber. Both awesome podcasts that you guys should check out. You can also check out Entertainment Buffet on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or entertainmentbuffet.com. We have new sketches and web shows coming soon, guys. One, uh, we had a couple Christmas sketches that just came out uh, last month for the holidays. One was 
directed by Josh here called Christmas Present. So if you haven't oh, seen... Oh, yes, I forgot about that. <laughs> you forgot about that. That's always good is when the director yes, forgets. Yes, always good. I've, I moved on to other things. <laughs> it's always good when the director and co-writer forgets the project. But uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> nevertheless, check that out. As we also have tons of new stuff coming, guys. Um, also, our new web show we're making with Jerry Gonzalez called Awkbot, about an awkward butler robot. Should be fun. And lastly, um, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at the pros, P R O Z E. And Josh, would where can they follow you on Twitter? They can follow me at, at J Scott Sibley, and you can also find my work at jscottsibley.com. Sounds great. Now, uh, before we get on to the award season topic, let's get the LOL of the week. Um, would you like to start, Josh? Sure. I can, I can start. Uh, my, my LOL of the week is on myself. I skipped uh, Fry's <laughs> class for his drama one time. Yeah. Because I just didn't feel like going. And it was, it was not my group's turn. Yeah. It was, it was the other group, and I didn't want to go. <laughs> and so it was in the morning, so I didn't want to go. And so I, I decided to skip class, and I was, like, you know, getting a new roommate, so we were, like, going to go buy some stuff. So we were, like, the idea was we were going to go shopping during class. So I went off to go get an uh, Apple TV. And I came home with a cat. <laughs> well, that's so. Good. I hadn't skipped class that day. <laughs> so kids, I thought, if I you're listening, you gonna... don't skip class, or you'll end up owning cats. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my LOL of the week is uh, just a simple meme. I've been seeing a lot of really good Star Wars memes lately, and uh, it's from. Anakin in uh, Star Wars The Phantom Menace, played by Jake Lloyd, where he says, you cannot kill a Jedi. And then the next panel is him in Revenge of the Sith, where he takes the lightsaber out to the younglings, and it's like kills all the Jedi. <laughs> like, <laughs> Have you seen the, the one they do with um, where it's it's the actual scene with the video and everything? No, I haven't. And he's haven't. sitting there, and it's like you know, it's like I heard that you can't kill it. I thought, you know, you can't kill a Jedi or whatever. And, and Obi-Wan or Gwygon's like, no, no, you can't. He's like, or whatever. And then it just cuts to black and does the always sunny thing where it says Anakin kills all the Jedi. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why it, it's it was so simple, you know, just two little <laughs> two little frames from the series. Uh, you can't kill a Jedi proceeds to kill all the Jedi. <laughs> Oh, God. Yep. I wonder if that was when George was writing Phantom Menace, he knew that would be in mind. <laughs> but oh, uh, we'll, we'll come back to all that. <laughs> Stay tuned for Josh and I film tweaking the entire prequel trilogy. But uh, let's not waste any more time, and let's talk about all the award season. So, Josh, Yay, award season. Yeah, we uh, within the last week or so that we're recording this, we had the, the Golden Globes. We've also we did. had, um, I believe it's the PGA and the DGA nominations come out. Correct. WGA as well. Right. Um, and so, like, a lot of the uh, kind of lesser known to the general audience's awards, but uh, to us people who are hopeful filmmakers uh, kind of take notice because that's of 
more nominations from your peers and less from, you know, the Academy or the Hollywood Foreign Press or anything like that. But uh, as far as the Golden Globes, did you check that out at all, Josh? I watched uh, a little bit of it. We watched, I I was visiting my dad and we watched the beginning and uh, he doesn't really like the Hollywood types. (laughs) Um, So we we watched part of it, and then we ended up watching Hell or High Water instead, which was probably a better choice. I've always felt with the Globes are kind of a joke. Like, I'll have them on the background, but I I stopped watching them a couple years ago. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that, like, I I enjoy it because it's one of the only award shows where you get both movies and TV on the same show. And um, I also kind of like how... They, they do things a little bit differently, like, and we can get into the whole, they have best drama and best comedy or musical. Um, so we had things like Deadpool being nominated for best uh, musical or comedy and Ryan Reynolds being nominated for best actor in a musical or comedy for Deadpool. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, they do a lot of that so they can get certain celebrities to show up to these events. You know, it's like uh, the tourist back in 2010. Yeah. You know, they, they they do this to get these people to show up to these things. Well, that also had big controversy because there, uh, apparently the producers or the studio behind the tourist, um, wasn't it like they, they paid for like a vacation for people in the Hollywood Foreign Press or something like that? Like they totally just like bought their way into getting – Nominated for best comedy, comedy or musical, and also getting Johnny Depp and like Angelina Jolie nominations, like it was so like everyone was like, "Wait, what? The movie was yeah. awful." <laughs> yeah. You know, my favorite Golden Globe ceremony was one of the ones with Ricky Gervais. <laughs> no, the one that Billy Bush hosted. Um, <laughs> it's funny now, but back in like I think it was two thousand eight. Early two thousand nine, I can't. I, I think it was the 07 into 08 ones. Okay. Yeah, when the uh, the writer strike happened. Do you remember? Do you remember the ceremony? I don't. Um, it I... was half an hour long. It was <laughs> Billy Bush standing there, staring at the camera, going, "Here's the nominees for this category. This thing won. Here's the nominees for this category." This thing won. <laughs> That's hilarious. I don't remember because I think it was like the year after is when I started actually kind of watching those. Oh and yeah, no, they were they were boycotting that one. Oh god, like <laughs> I can't imagine. That's um, yeah. So like I agree that Golden Globes are kind of a joke, but it's kind of like I wish. Do you think they can ever build their reputation back? I mean, do do you think they can dig themselves out of? The, you know, the controversy with the tourist? No. No one cares. <laughs> I mean, they have been going since, uh, th- this is like, what, like almost the 70 years almost or something like that? Yeah, like, but I mean, they're, they're, they're a joke amongst the celebrities. They're a joke amongst everyone who's there. They're a joke amongst, you know, people who watch them. Most people watch them just for, like, the fashion or the celebrities that are there or whatever. You know, and, and you don't have any of the, the technical awards. True. At the Golden Globes, do you? I mean, I think there's writing, but you don't you don't have anything that's really behind the scenes besides writing and directing. Yeah, yeah, I think they kind of because because although they also have nominations for all the uh, acting for you know television as well as film, so it, it takes up a lot of time where you have to do 
actor, supporting actor, actress, supporting actress, you know. Yeah, and there's this, there's this weird, because it, it, you know, with the television, because it falls smack dab in the beginning of January. Yeah. And it's it's in the middle of the, the seasons, so it's very confusing as to what, you know, because, like, Westworld got nominated, but Westworld, yeah, I don't know, it gets all confusing. Because, yeah. like, the Emmys won't air till next, like, September, and then Westworld will most likely be in that nomination as well. Yeah, that's what was always confusing. I remember, because, like, a show like Curb Your Enthusiasm, that was a, the last season, like, the season, the show was actually coming back for a season nine, but I remember the season eight, I think it went from, like, late 2011 to 2012, but because of, like, the way it fell, like, it felt like a year or two after it was over, it was getting nominated. I'm like, wait, that yeah, hasn't Breaking been on Bad for a was the same way. <laughs> Because so. Breaking Bad ended like into September 2013, and then I think the the um, when it won Best Drama was like 2014, like August or September. Yeah. So, Golden Globes they kind of need to uh, they, they need to change something in order to kind of dig themselves out of the hole. And I think the last thing I kind of want to discuss with you about that is the whole Best Drama versus Best Comedy or Musical. I mean. I sort of like that because it means more films get nominations or at least recognition. But then you have, like, the controversy last year where The Martian won Best Comedy. It's like, that's not a comedy. <laughs> it's a drama yeah, ex- that is exactly, funny. Because, <laughs> because it, it's it's all playing the field. You know, you can, you can put in your movie into whatever category you want. Well, now you can't. Right? Oh, you can't anymore? Well, that was the big thing. Was like they're like, no, we want actual comedies or musicals in this category. So like a film like Martian, because that was a that was a big hotly uh, like a big debate was the whole Martian, and then I think it was whether it was the Emmys or the Golden Globes as well. Like when Orange Is the New Black was nominated for Best Comedy Television Series. It's like that's not a comedy either. That's <laughs> or that's, yeah, Transparent. Transparent does it too. But they're always it, under comedy, but they're they're a drama. Is it? I haven't seen Transparent to make the distinction. But I haven't either. It's on that. It's like on that list of like things to watch. Yeah, but like I, I heard it's great, and I heard Jeffrey Tambor is great in it too. Yeah, I've only but heard good things. It's been nominated for comedy, but I'm pretty sure it's a drama. Yeah, or so it kind of blurs the line. Yeah, so I mean that's, I mean. Maybe it's because I predominantly enjoy seeing comedies getting recognition when they need, when they deserve it. And, like, that's something that we can talk about when we talk about the Oscars is, like, they tend to hardly ever give recognition to comedy. It seems kind of below, uh, you know, their standards. And I guess that's a chance for the Golden Globes is, like, a movie like Deadpool, which... I genuinely believe Deadpool was one of the funniest movies of the year. Now, I have no idea why The Nice Guys wasn't nominated for Best Comedy or Musical, but, you know. It, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I really like The Nice Guys, but it uh, it kind of didn't do super well. And, and Deadpool, the whole Deadpool thing is like, and I wouldn't be surprised if it actually got a nomination, is, is because it's a huge pat on the back to everyone. Yeah. And they're trying to make it seem like, oh, we didn't doubt you ever. Which, I mean, then the, there's the big thing. It's like, why are musicals and comedies clumped together? <laughs> when Because the Golden Globes are a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it almost begs the question. It's like, do you do, you know, 
almost every genre best this, you know, but then you keep it only to like a few nominations. It's it's because then you have a movie like Les Mis. That is a movie that is clearly a musical, but it's a dramatic musical. So when it won, I think, best musical, it's just weird that, you know, theoretically, and I don't think these came out the same year at all, but like, uh, oh, I mean, we'll just say in the same nominations, Les Mis is in the same field as Bridesmaids or Hangover or Deadpool. Like, it just feels very odd. (laughs) Well, it's also like you look at... um uh, like La La Land, right? Sure. So La La Land is, isn't it's funny, but it's just it's not really a comedy. I would not call it a comedy. I mean, it's definitely a musical. Sure. But I mean, it's it's this year. It's the it's the front runner, as far as I know. Still, it's the front runner to win Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Um. So I mean, you have it's an actual like threat to those other movies that were in the drama category. Yeah, such as Moonlight or Manchester by the Sea. It happens. I don't think you're going to see, you know, the, the same comedies going against these these dramas that are actual contenders sometimes, except when, like, Les Mis or La La Land or, or whatever. So it, it all gets very confusing. But the other thing is, how many musicals are there per year? Not a lot. Which is why I think, like, when they come around, they kind of, in order to be recognized, they have to be, or or even produced, they have to be really good. And, I mean, I think the only one other musical I could think of is I remember hearing about the movie Sing Street came out, which I heard good things, but... Sing Street was amazing. See, yeah, I heard good things. Go watch Sing Street. It's on Netflix. Like, if if you're not doing anything right now, people (laughs) listening, and Brandon, go watch Sing Street. It's, it's, It's phenomenal. Yeah, but besides that and La La Land, can you think of any other musicals that came out this year? Mm, no, I don't. <laughs> but see, the other thing is, like, Sing Street's not really a musical. When I think of a musical, I think of singing and dancing and stuff. It's just a movie that happens to feature people singing a lot of music. So, Oscars, um, I believe in the next, I think it's not next week, but the week after. It's, we sh- it's a week from, okay, it's a week from today, then. Is when the nominations. Uh, when the yeah, nominations. it's the 24th. Yeah. It's the 24th is what I believe. Yeah, so who, I mean, it seems like it's a pretty, pretty clear cut through all the other, you know, PGA, WGA, DGA, you know, SAGs, you know, that like the films that are going to be up there are films like Moonlight, La La Land, uh, Manchester by the Sea, um, Fences uh, for performance has been up there. Hidden fences, of course. Um, <clears throat> did you did you see that whole controversy? Mm. Or a couple people they they got hidden figures and fences confused and called them hidden fences. Oh god! <laughs> yeah, it was it was really awkward. <laughs> um, so it seems like it's it's pretty much going to be down to those for best picture. But uh, is there any other films that you think? you know, maybe aren't getting recognition that you believe should that you saw this year? No, the one I was really worried about not getting any recognition was Hell or High Water, and it has gotten a fair amount of recognition, and I think it'll actually get a Best Picture nomination. Yeah, that is a film that uh, I just, I also recently saw uh, within the last week or two. I think that was a really great film. It really only had, like, one flaw for me, and it was such a tiny flaw that, like, it, it... 
compared to some films that have so many, I was just like, eh, that's forgivable. It's a film I definitely still want to buy on DVD after I rented it. And uh, Jeff Bridges and Chris Pine have kind of been getting recognition. And uh, the writer, Taylor Sheridan. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I believe it has a cinematographer you like, too, doesn't it? Um, I don't... I don't know. Cause I have I, to look that up. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was the same cinematographer that did um, the Denise Villeneuve films, uh, like Arrival. Oh, Arrival. That's a film. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one that's like, it, it just got lost somewhere in it. It's a great movie. Yeah. I love that movie, but it somehow got like, got way lost in everything. And I don't, I don't quite know what, um, what happened. Yeah, it's a film that has great performance. I think it has great writing, great direction, great cinematography. To me, it was it was a sci-fi film that wasn't your typical... Like, a lot of sci-fi films tend to be, like, action-related nowadays, but I like how it's very grounded and very uh, close to what I think how people would react when these ships start showing up, like, in the film. Like, it's it's very, like, close to home. And I, I thought it was a great movie that... I'm definitely going to buy someday. It is something worth revisiting. And like you said, yeah. it's it's so odd how a film that's so good is kind of shoved aside. Well, I think this is when I can kind of go into my soapbox thing here <laughs> about why why I don't like the Oscars. All right, let's hear it. It is all politics. Like with it everything. It all comes down yeah. to, to politics. Because what they do is they go out and they, they send screeners to people, which, you know, is fine, and they campaign and they do everything they can. And so you have studios or whatever that have less money or movies that they don't want to promote as much. They kind of get lost. Sure. You know, indie films that came out at different times. And every once in a while you have an exception to the rules. You have your Mad Maxes and your, your you know, stuff. Or like last year when um, Mark Rylance, I think is his name, won Best... Supporting actor? Yeah. Despite not going to any of the luncheons or anything like that? Sure. You know, but like, I mean, you had you had Leo out there going around and he's, you know, giving people private screenings, I think, in the Arctic of The Revenant. You know, he's doing everything he can. I mean, he's, he's basically being a politician on his final, you know, thing before the election. <laughs> and so I guess that's what, what's a little frustrating is that it doesn't feel like the merit's given to the best as much as it is the most noticed. Sure. And I, I, I can agree with that. I mean, it, it feels very... And we can get into also just... <clears throat> the reason I am not a huge fan of the Oscars, especially the last like handful of years, is they definitely have a type of film that they like to give recognition to. Now, I understand mm-hmm. that, you know, like a movie like, uh, for example, last year, Room, with Brie Larson, I... I thought that was a great movie. Uh, the fantastic performances, both from Brie Larson and um, I can't think of the child actor. But Jacob Tremblay. Yeah, Jacob Tremblay. That I never the, even saw the movie. That's it's, how bad that is. It is so good. It was one of my favorite last year. Once I, I saw it a little bit later, but it was so good. But you could tell it was just such a small movie. But that's what made it focus on the direction and the acting and the writing. And it just... I feel like it was a film that, like you said, it probably just didn't have as much money because it was made by the uh, the studio uh, A24. Um, yeah. They've been doing a lot of great movies lately. They do a lot of original content like The Lobster. 
um, coming up this year in 2017. They had that movie Free Fire. They had uh, a Swiss Army Man. Uh, and just, like, so many that I, I can't think of at the moment. But they pump out independent, super original, great films. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's something that, you know, like you said, last year everyone was talking about The Revenant and Spotlight. And that was pretty much it. It was like no well, one talked about Spotlight. No one talked about Spotlight at all until One Buzz Picture. <laughs> well, I mean, Spotlight was like this weird thing that that was just in the middle of nowhere. I mean, in the sense that like once you know it was like nominated, like everyone was like, oh, it's going to be Spotlight or Revenant or you know, it's always down to like one or two. When I feel like there should be more films kind of considered, um, and I mean, even we were just talking about. The director Denise, uh, I'm hoping I'm saying his name right, Denise Villeneuve, uh, his film before Sicario got some recognition with Emily Blunt and Benicio del Toro, but his film before that, uh, Prisoners, Prisoners, I thought was really great, and it Prisoners got, was great, but but the got, subject matter, yeah, it got the subject matter was not awards friendly, yeah, it got zero recognition besides I think cinematography. And it was just like... Well, that was because it was Roger Deacon. He's, <laughs> but, just, gonna, he's just automatically going to get nominated. Like, he, he, I don't think he's even there half the time. Yeah, and it just... Because he's probably working on another movie. He's always... He's, yeah. But it, it felt like a movie. It's like, wait, Oscars, this is a movie you like. It's a drama. It has great performances. It has A-list actors. You know, but like you said, it, it, it was kind of more I wouldn't say horror but it was very dark and disturbing they and don't they don't like anything like that if it doesn't have a super happy ending and it doesn't have you know or some thought-provoking message that they can all get behind they're not gonna like it yeah it, it tends for, to... for the most part now you'll see movies sometimes that that'll come out that'll be like nominated but they they have no chance yeah like Mad Max was a big surprise for me, or the a couple years ago with Gravity, or you know, like these films that well, Mad it, Max was a good surprise. Yeah, but it was like there are films that like they randomly decide, oh, that's one we usually don't nominate. We'll give them a little recognition, but for that's because Mad Max went crazy <laughs> with their their um, campaign. But like it seems like for the most part, it won part, six Oscars. Yeah, for the most part. The Academy loves to award movies that are period pieces, uh, biographical films, uh, you know, historical dramas. Like, they're just, it's like kind of like the same few options. Yes. Uh, and that was one thing that just really bugs me is like, you're, and that's where I, you know, the term Oscar bait has been kind of thrown out there more is it's, I feel like. If someone has an idea for, you know, like Spotlight, that is a very important subject and, you know, had great performances and great writing. And, you know, it was a great film, but it felt like a film that it's like it did everything it was supposed to to get Oscar, uh, you know, noted by having A-list cast. A dra- uh, it was a drama and it was based on a true story. <laughs> like, I disagree on Spotlight, but some of them I agree like I'm not I mean, saying Spotlight, it, Spotlight had all those things to check, but it didn't. It never felt like Oscar bait to me. Well, I don't always think that Oscar bait is a bad thing, and I'm not saying that Spotlight is an example that shouldn't be nominated. But it's it's kind of like if you know that you're 
hitting a few of those check marks in the film is good enough, it's going to get recognized for that. Whereas I feel like if you're a comedy or you're uh, a a superhero film or even like in honestly like it's because horror films haven't been as great lately you know like back in the day we had films like silence of the lambs or exorcist get nominations but like now it just feels so far from any of those genres or like sci-fi getting recognized at all yeah i mean sci-fi is one that's continuously ignored um, superhero movies? I don't know. I mean, there hasn't been one besides, like, The Dark Knight that deserved any sort of recognition like that. I mean, there, there have been good ones, but there's been nothing that's, like, profound. Sure. But uh, I guess one thing is, you know, like, I mean, I guess it's almost debating, like, what deserves best. Is it a movie that's incredibly rewatchable? Or is it a film that is just, like, so good that, you know, it's something that you're like, all right, I saw it once, and that was just great and cool. It Does that make uh, sense I mean, at all? <laughs> I, I, saw, I saw Manchester by the Sea last week, two weeks ago. Um, great movie. Casey Affleck's going to win Best Actor, for sure. Really well written. Not the easiest movie to watch. Yes. Or, or a better example, 12 Years a Slave. Do you see 12 Years a Slave? I did not, but I, I understand what you're getting at because that, that's how I felt with The Room. That's a very great movie, but it was very... Unnerving. That's why I haven't watched it. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, like... it. I wanted to buy it because I just... I wanted to contribute to, like, the filmmakers and, like, the... Oh, yeah, I, I own it. I just have not watched it. It is <laughs> sitting there on my, like, stack of DVDs with, like, Green Room and uh, <laughs> The Lobster and Everybody Wants Some and all these other movies that, you know, I won't get to. Yeah, it's just, I understand what you're saying. Like, when it's so unnerving, it's kind of hard to watch it again. Yeah, and it was, I mean, it was, The 12 Years of Slave was really good. It was really, really well done, but it was, like, really hard to watch. It's like, you know, I don't spend my weekends going, you know what, we should watch, you know, go on a date. Like, let's watch some some Schindler's List. <laughs> seen Schindler's List? Oh, it's great. You know, I mean, that's not what you do. Schindler's List is a phenomenal movie. But it's uh, it's not something I'm like, yeah, let's watch again. Yeah. And... But... Go on. Go on. But I, I guess that, you know, you think of these movies like this, they stick with you, though. Sure. You know, where I've I've already forgotten what the plot of Civil War was. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I mean, it was fun. I had a great time watching it, whereas I didn't really have a great time watching Twelve Years a Slave. Yeah. Yeah, I, I understand that and that that's why like I agree that there's really only like one, maybe two uh superhero films that ever felt like they deserved any sort of Recognition, but and I guess I don't only mean best picture. I guess I look at like there are oh, some technical. If you look at technical awards, and absolutely, well, not even just technical, but I mean performance wise. Um, you know, like Heath Ledger was one of the only superhero performances to ever get noticed. But then you have films like Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder got best supporting oh. actor, which was yeah. Like, see, that was one that like completely changed <laughs> stuff. Like that was. 
That was weird. Or, you know, Johnny Depp for Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, I'm not angry. Like, those are great performances, but it's like, it almost like it was like a year that, like, they actually decided to try different options. And that's something I wish they would try more often, which is, like, for example, we you said Casey Affleck pretty much deserves Best Actor. There are people that say Denzel Washington. There are people that say... Um, I believe one of the actors from Moonlight and all these people. But then, like, it's you'll never see, like, a Ryan Reynolds for Deadpool be nominated for an Oscar. (laughs) Well, he doesn't deserve it. (laughs) He was just Ryan Reynolds. I didn't he didn't put like, you know, that's just an example. Like I said, not saying that he does. And I'll I'll stop bringing up Deadpool. But yeah. But, like, for example, I feel like besides, you know, like Heath Ledger, it's hard to ever picture them giving recognition to a superhero performance or a comedic performance or, you know, something like, did you see John Goodman from 10 Cloverfield Lane, which is kind of horror thriller did you see it's, him it's, getting nominated it's sci-fi for... and they're they're not gonna they're not gonna do anything which he deserves a nomination see he was he was absolutely phenomenal in that movie and that was a great movie but you know not not best picture worthy but it was you know it was a great movie but yeah his performance in that was was absolutely terrifying i can't watch monsters inc anymore it's just <laughs> over <laughs> yeah you know, and god i mean roseanne was on the other night oh I was just, I just had to turn off the TV. Yeah, and uh, that's, I guess that's what I'm trying to get at with, and not just superhero movies, but with comedies, sci-fi, horror, thriller, you know, like, it's hard for these movies to ever get, besides, you know, technical or editing, maybe an occasional screenplay or something, like, it's hard for any, you know, like, Bridesmaids with screenplay. That was one that was shocking, and, like, Melissa McCarthy was supporting actress. They have to rise above... Just being a good movie, like the the nice guys is a is a good movie. It's not a great movie. You have to really, really well, be a great movie. <laughs> I well, would, I mean, we can agree agree to disagree, <laughs> but I I, I I liked it. I liked it, but um, you you have to be a. I mean, think of like Mad Max Fury Road. Sure. You know, I mean, that was that was something you went to go see, and it was completely different than most action movies you go to see. Sure, yeah. So you have to rise above and be an absolutely great movie in that genre to get any sort of recognition, like Arrival or like Hell or High Water, which is which is a Western. Yeah, give her, yeah, I'd say, yeah, it's a, it's... Western, it has a Western feel. It's a, it's a modern Western. It's definitely a Western. It's got the bank robbers and the law and, and all of that. And that's not something you see get nominated a whole lot. Yeah. Unless, of course, Jeff Bridges is in it. Then that, that helps. <laughs> that's the secret. Just get Jeff Bridges in it. Just um, get Jeff Bridges. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying is that they need to rise above for that genre. But I guess that's something that I'm getting at is that... Because they tend to typically go towards just pure dramas or historical or based on true stories or biographical films that it feels like, you know, 80% of the nominations are going to be those, you know, maybe even 90 and then, you know, one or slow moving dramas, you know, one or two things will randomly get, you know, will slip through the cracks like District 9 or... 
yeah, with about that. <laughs> with animated films like Up or Toy Story Three, like they slip through the cracks, but it's so like far and in between. It kind of seems like it seems like someone's like standing with a whiteboard and like, all right, we got you know nine nominations. Let's give seven to dramas and we'll give you know one or two to something else that have no chance of winning. Yeah. And, you know, and then we'll we'll stick to those handful of dramas to give all the acting awards to, to all the direction. And, you know, you'll never see, like, like with Inception. Sure, that was given best... Uh, cinematography. Best cinematography, but it was like, it felt like there was zero chance they were going to give that best picture or best direction or, you know, screenplay, anything like that. I think it was nominated for direction. That's what I'm saying was is it? like if it you got best picture it was nominated for best picture and I don't think it was nominated for director but that's that's kind of my what I'm what I'm getting at and that's why you know whereas like you don't like the politics in it and like that's that's something I don't like is that these films that just because they're in a different genre I don't feel like that should exclude them from contention in the major categories as you and I kind of being in the film, you know, wanting to be in the entertainment industry, like we care more about, you know, screenplay or direction or uh, cinematography or even some of the technical awards. Whereas like I'm thinking about like general audience America, when they watch these, they look at best picture and like the acting categories. And I feel like those are, I mean, you're always going to see best picture, something very safe. Yeah, like, you'll never see, like, you'll never hear from, like, you know, unless your parents are in the industry, too, you never hear from, like, a family member who's just a general, you know, audience person go, like, you know, I want to see Arrival because I heard it got best cinematography. <laughs> like, you know, it's... Yeah, no, they're not going to care. They only care about, like, they may see, like, hey, I've been seeing everyone talking about Viola Davis and Denzel Washington and Fences. Maybe I'll go check out Fences. And... <laughs> that's where I feel like it's it's not as fair is because it's like, oh, you're just going to give it to these same few movies for everything when all these other films deserve more recognition. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you see, like, do you agree on the, the aspect of, like, general audiences tend to care about Best Picture and then the, the acting that is very true. That's that's what they they care about, and that's why they're going to go safe choices, and they're not going to do anything controversial. Uh, Brokeback Mountain, and um, <laughs> you know, well, I mean, do you remember that year? So Brokeback Mountain, which was easily the best movie of that year, I want to say it was two thousand five or something like that. Yep, easily the best movie, right? Did not win, and it went to Crash. Which I haven't seen Brokeback Mountain, but I've only heard good things. Whereas like Crash, I've avidly seen Crash, and it was like I think that movie—that's a movie I think it gets more shit than it deserves. Like I, I'm not saying it's the best picture that year, but like some people are saying it's like absolute garbage. Like, and I think it's just because they're bitter about what happened at Brokeback Mountain, which, you know, I want to see. I wanna well, I mean, you, you look at Brokeback Mountain, and it won the BAFTA, it won the Golden Globe, it won the Movie of the Year, the AFI, it won, um, I, I don't PGA or something, I think. Yeah, I lost respect for the Oscars when Sandra Bullock won. 
Yeah, that for too. White people feel guilty. The movie. I'm sorry. The Blind Side. I always get those two confused. <laughs> um, um, I will make it very known on your podcast. I have a deep hatred for Sandra Bullock. Uh, I mean, I don't. I don't disagree. I mean, I, I I saw enough of The Blind Side to see like it's like oh, yeah. It it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't good. It was a it was a cash grab movie. With, it was know, average. She put on. She put on. Yeah, it was average. She put on like a an accent, and then she got nominated. And let's be honest, the best actress category is always a joke anyway because they treat the women so poorly that yeah. they just choose the ones that are pretty that they can be there, and then Meryl Streep. Yeah, it's <laughs> you know, and and there's so many good performances that are that are out there from very very talented women. And we don't we don't see them get the recognition they deserve. I guess the last thing I'd like to, to talk about is that uh, you have a lot of um, movies that get nominated for technical awards, um, such as like Transformers or um, some not so great movies. I believe one year, yeah, like Best Makeup, it was something like Norbit or something ridiculous, like. <laughs> Yes, yes, and I, it's easy to make fun of. It's like, well, I got nominated for an Oscar, and the thing is, is like those people work very hard at what they do. Yes, and so yes, Transformers, you know, whatever, which one of I think one of them, I can't remember which one it was, but Transformers got nominated for best like visual effects or sound mixing or something. Uh huh. I mean, the sound is really good in that movie. The story makes no sense. The directing's terrible, but the sound was good. Yeah. Which, which is like you said, but, it's a big shame that it's you know you see films that, sure on the surface when it comes to the story or the direction or the overall film, were not as good like the Transformers or like many people feel with you know some superhero movies lately, but the like you said the people behind the scenes that were doing the effects or the makeup or the production design or. Whatever it was, like, they did work very hard. And it, it does make sense for them to get recognition, but it's uh, it just, sometimes, it like, I can understand it feels, like, a little weird that, you know, like, I believe right now, and it, I don't think these are the official nominations, but, like, shortlist for Best Makeup, it's, like, Hail Caesar, you know, Star Trek Beyond, The Dressmaker, Florence Foster Jenkins, Deadpool, and Suicide Squad. Like, it just... <laughs> it, it, it feels like such a wide range. But, but I mean, that's that's what you gotta look at, you know? Yeah. I mean, because some of those had... When we talked about Suicide Squad and, and Film Tweakers, we never complained about the makeup... <laughs> exactly. ...being a terrible thing. Yeah. It's kind of sad that, like, you'll see, like, for example, Best Short Film, Best Animated Short Film, Best Documentary, Best Foreign Film, and, like... <laughs> to a lot of the general audience people, it's like they don't really care, you know. And no, no, and they they won't. And it's it's sad. Actually, I met someone who was nominated for the um, best short film live action Oscar. Uh huh. And didn't didn't change your life. Do you have uh, predictions? Are you saying La La Land for the best picture this year? I'm saying La La Land. Yeah, I'm gonna say La La Land. But then again, you know, I was on Camp Boyhood. And uh, that happened. I, I quickly phoned the police to inform them that uh, there had been a robbery on stage and that Richard Linklater 
His, uh, his Oscar had been stolen from him. Really? See, I'm on the opposite side that I saw Boyhood, and to me, the it was just a gimmick. The gimmick was he took 12 years to make this movie. That's a fantastic uh, achievement that he found actors who are willing to come and do that every year, you know, every few years over a 12-year period. But then I hear about a film like Moonlight, and I hear about how the film is divided into three segments, about this character when he's a child, when he's kind of a teenager, and then when he's a man. And they use different actors, but the story apparently was just so good and the direction was so good that, like, that sounds like a movie that's more appealing to me, whereas, like, Boyhood... Sure, that's a great technical achievement, but to me it felt very... Patricia Arquette got nominated for this, and... She won. Yeah, like, and it just felt very also... What's the story? Oh, it's just life? Well, that's not it was intriguing. A, it, was a series, it was a series of vignettes. It was a little bit different. Just because it didn't fit into your three-act structure, man. No, it had nothing to do with three-act structure, but it was one of the most overrated movies for me because it just felt very... If I wanted to just see life, I would just no. live it. I want to see, <laughs> like, I want to see a movie, and like, like the only part that where I thought it was actually going somewhere was, and every time it would go somewhere, they would cut to like a year later. Was she? Well, see, that's the thing. It's like, you know, Patricia Arquette that you know she's divorced yeah, from I Ethan Hawke, the, and then she meets the this day, rich guy who's older, you know, and he has kids the, the that TV are her kids, and, they have age, the and the kids get along. He gets drunk. Once. What's that? I only saw the movie one time. Yeah, no, I did too. And it, and I'll never one see it time. again. It just, he gets drunk and he's kind of driving and, you know, it just, that was intense because it's like, oh shit, what's going to happen? Is it going to be an accident? What's what's going to happen? And then all of a sudden, she's just like, I'm leaving. A year later, she's gone. And it's just like, oh, all right. And then... Nothing happens, and then he just kind of becomes this weird hippie kid. Like, it just, I don't know. That's, that's That film I could talk a whole podcast about because it just felt like nothing happened. It felt like this weird, like, either be a documentary or don't, or, you know, or be a narrative where there's, like, an actual, you know, story. That's why this movie Moonlight yeah. intrigues me because... Yeah, I want to see Moonlight. It, it, it everyone is saying how it's so great how they f- capture these three time periods and because it's probably like when important things happen whereas in boyhood there was a lot of just looking at the sky boyhood eh overrated to me do you have well we'll agree to disagree <laughs> well uh, well the, here this is what I'll ask you then is there if you could pick one in just the last few years, like an Oscar film that you felt you saw it and it was just super overrated to you, the artist. I don't even need to finish the question. The <laughs> okay, let's hear about that. I haven't seen that film, but I have a feeling I would agree. But go on, it let's was, hear it. I, everything you just said about about Boyhood to me, I don't remember a whole lot about it. Um, I saw it like four or five years ago now. Um, it was just like super, super bland. I mean, it was it was a silent film, for the sakes of being a silent film. There was there was nothing in it that that led me to believe that you know it was going to be anything great, other than a gimmick. 
there was one part where, like, I remember, like, the phone rang or something. Or they had sound for, like, a second. And I thought the movie was going to go somewhere interesting where, like, they were going to slowly develop sound. You know? Like, Pleasantville style or something. But (laughs) instead, it just kept being silent until the very end. And it just made no sense. And I didn't understand why it was there. Why it needed to be silent. Why it was so stupid. And it was super overrated. Anyway, we will uh, transition into our last segment of the podcast, the I Hate People. Um, Josh, do you have yourself an I Hate People? I always hate people. <laughs> do I need, do I that... need like, a specific example? I mean, yeah. Uh, I... So, so, I mean, I could... Do you want me to do mine first? Yeah, go do yours first. Okay. So... Good news, uh, the last like week or so in 2016 I mentioned here on the podcast is I started a new job. Uh, it's a new a job at a new bank, and it's way better than my other one. But um, one thing I was discussing with one of my coworkers, because I'm one of the younger employees at the bank. I am uh, going to be 25 this year, and a lot of people are... A lot of the customers are older, and a lot of the coworkers are older, and... One thing I hate uh, w- with people that I've worked with is I hate people our age that perpetuate the arrogant and dumb millennial stereotypes. <laughs> and it happens a lot. Like, I have worked with people that they're just, like, they're on their phones when they shouldn't be. And they don't realize certain, you know, they shouldn't swear at work. And they are very just, they act like they know it all when they really don't. And... They are disrespectful, and why I hate this is because then all old people think, like, oh, you you millennials with your participation trophies you got growing up, you don't know what life is, and, like, <laughs> like they just... Well, they these, gave us the participation trophies. Exactly. Like, these old people, like, they, they raised us, yet they're upset on how we were raised, and they, I don't know, it just, I hate people our age who furthered that stereotype because I had someone who she screamed at one of our managers. It was something out of a reality TV show. I'm telling you, Josh, like it was over something so stupid. I thought like cameras were going to come in and say like, you know, like, but how do you really feel about this? And blah, 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 blah. Like she was screaming at him over the dumbest thing. And I'm just thinking to myself, where did she learn this? Like if I yelled at a manager, like what's that? Entitlement. Yeah, the the millennial entitlement. And she just had no respect. And it just made, it set, like, I feel like it set everyone our age back. Like, <laughs> even yeah. though we're in our mid to late 20s, like, we're seen as, like, these dumb kids. And it's like, no, no, we're not all like that. We, uh... We can be uh, mature, and we can be respectful, and we can know our place, but when you think that we're all like that, that's where that's what I hate. So, that is my I Hate People of the Week. Yes. Josh, do you have a, uh, perhaps a co-worker or someone in traffic or any um, sort of specific I Hate People that recently happened to you? Yes. Donald Trump's being inaugurated on Friday. <laughs> I hate people. <laughs> I believe that's what mine was, like, right after the election, was just like... I think uh, mine was something similar to that, too. <laughs> so, yeah, it just... Uh, 
That that's that's gonna be my I, I hate people. I like to give more of a general I hate people <laughs> than a specific example. Yeah, like, and I think what and this is so stupid. Obviously, there's gonna be a lot of terrible things that probably happen when he is in office. And we won't get too political. But one thing that really upset me is, and you know this, I had a sketch that I wrote (laughs) and Jerry did the voice for. We were doing an animated sketch about Trump's inauguration day and how he just started basically the sketch. He says, (laughs) what the fuck is wrong with you people? I have no experience in office. I said absurd, offensive things. And you gave me, you know, like, nuclear launch codes? Like, and basically the sketch is it turns out that Trump uh, takes off a mask and it's... Uh, Andy, Andy Kaufman, right? It's it's Andy Kaufman and also Ashton Kutcher runs in and says that the entire election was one big episode of Punked. And, <laughs> and yeah, like... If only, right? But see, yeah, now it's not funny, it's, it's just sad. Exactly, and you said it the other day, and it really, really hit me, because I was hoping that me and Jerry could release that in the next week or two with the inauguration. But then you said it, and some someone, another friend said it too, it was like, it's not funny anymore. And I'm like... No, the joke's gone. The joke's gone. Yeah, you, you missed your window on that one. Because it really happened. Like, yeah, cause I thought it was clear cut that there's no way he could win, whether it was. I Bernie warned you. Or I told you. <laughs> I said he's gonna win. I didn't want him to, but I said he's going to because people. So yeah, as we like to do with uh, at the end of I every I hate people when I try to remember is Josh will take a nice breathe in, and a nice breathe out. <sighs> Fuck people. Fuck them. Yeah, feels good. Feels good. So. Josh, it was great having you on the podcast again. Always for a pleasure. Your, your third appearance. You're uh, soon soon going to be becoming the uh, the most appeared uh, guest on the show. I don't know if that's and like a good thing or. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone else I was going to have bailed, and I was like, I guess I'll talk to Josh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the I'm the most available. <laughs> I got a participation trophy in high school for being there. So, <laughs> you know. Thanks for thanks for coming on again, Josh. Uh, is there anything you would like to, to plug before you go? Not really. I'll have some stuff <laughs> soon. <laughs> nope. No, no I, re- I don't. I don't really have anything coming up that's, uh, yeah. that I could plug or that's in, in anytime soon. Do you want to? Do you want to just say your Twitter then? <laughs> Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at J. Scott Sibley. Um, I tweet sometimes, trying to get better at it. But sometimes <laughs> I say meaningful things. You can also follow me on Twitter at ThePros, P-R-O-Z-E. Please rate, review, subscribe on this podcast. Uh, there's plenty of other episodes where me and Josh and whoever else is on the podcast talk about things in entertainment such as movie, TV, comedy, theater, web work, whatever it is. I'm sure you will enjoy some of it. Please check us out on if you're an Apple hater and don't have an iTunes. We're also on Podbean, Stitcher, Blueberry, uh, Google Play. Uh, try to make this podcast available as many places as possible for you guys. If there's more free spaces, let me know. I'll try to put it on there. Please also check out Entertainment Buffet. We also have sketches 
web shows coming for you guys. I'm in the talks with a bunch of talented comedic voices to uh, get some more talk shows up, get some vlogs, get some other web shows uh, up there for um, some new people that aren't me or Jerry or other people that are usually doing stuff with Entertainment Buffet to get their voice out there. So please check that out as well. You can find that on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or entertainmentbuffet.com. Please also check out the podcast Movie Trailer Trash done by my friends Charlie and Bethany Duber. They also post their episodes on our Entertainment Buffet YouTube if you can't check them out on iTunes. <laughs> All right, Josh. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, talking about award season, and uh, we'll see uh, who wins Best Picture. Thanks for listening to episode 24 of the podcast. Coming up on one years old, guys. See you after the Oscars. <laughs>